At the age of six, South Africa's first non-white female judge, Navanidham Pele, knew she wanted to be a lawyer. My mother had given me money to take to my father. He was a bus driver. His conductor had come. She didn't trust him, so she had me clutch this money in my hand. And as my father's bus came close, he grabbed the money from my hand and he ran off. He was then arrested and there was a court case and it's court B of the present High Court in Natal, where I was a child witness. I was not speaking English then, so I gave my evidence in Tamil. The fellow was convicted of robbery, but as we walked out of the court, I said to my father, well, where's the money? Did you get the money back? And I felt that justice had not been done. And years later, that is the court where I sat as a judge. Judge Pele was educated at the then University of Natal in 1963. She was the first woman to start a law practice in her home province of KwaZulu-Natal in 1967. Her principle of not charging exorbitant legal fees saw her becoming a lawyer for the people. But this did not come without its struggles. I started my law practice because I had no other choice. Every time I went to law offices, they were mostly white law firms then, they said they cannot have a white secretary taking instructions from a person of color. So that was the race factor. Some also said, is your family rich? Can you bring business in? So that's a class factor. And some said, yes, so what if you have children? And that's the gender factor. I always say I was trebly disadvantaged, but, you know, you will see throughout my life when a door is closed, then you try to find another door. As a young determined lawyer plagued by the crippling apartheid regime, Pele fought for what she believed was right. She was met with great opposition from her male counterparts. I was truly happy that so many women, especially Indian women, after me, also opened their own law practices. Mm. My father helped put up the partitions. Mm. So it was family help as Mm. well, family help and support. But I do know that some men lawyers said I was very presumptuous as a woman to start a law practice on my own. Her practice became one that fought for the dignity of those who were oppressed during the dark days of apartheid. She acted as a defense attorney for anti-apartheid activists, exposing torture and preventing long jail terms for those standing up against the oppressive laws. It is through this that she began to see the torture that women of color experienced. People needed a lawyer who wasn't going to charge too much. So I was acting for people who were banned and house arrested, such as Phyllis Naidu, Mr. Cedar. They were charged for failing to report to the police. Mm. In the case of Phyllis Naidu, I mean, I was so young and immature, not an experienced lawyer. So she was asked to serve 10 days. I was really disappointed that she actually got a heavier sentence than others. Mm. But when she went into the women's prison, she came out reporting how terrible the conditions are there and that women's rights were being violated. Sanitary pads were not disputed to the women. They were using newspapers. So every incident we learned, and we also reacted by raising these issues in Mm. public. Through dedication, courage and perseverance, Judge Pele was able to challenge apartheid courts and establish key rights for prisoners on Robben Island. For many years, no lawyers were allowed on Robben Island. We heard reports of dogs being set upon the prisoners there, like Indras Naidu, and they had no rights. And when they broke a prison regulation, they were just thrown into solitary confinement. 
But I consulted very senior lawyers outside, and many of them encouraged me to bring that application. We won that application with costs against the officer commanding of Robben Island Prison. And this is what was won. The curtain has been lifted on Robben Island for the very first time. But actually, the curtain is lifted with regard to prisoners' rights all over. In 1995, after the end of apartheid, Judge Pele was appointed as acting judge at the South African High Court and in the same year was elected by the United Nations General Assembly to be a judge on the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. Here she served a total of eight years, the last four as president. In 2003, she was appointed as a judge on the International Criminal Court in The Hague, where she served on the Appeals Chamber until August 2008. Later that year, she was appointed as United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, the highest position propagating human rights in the world. I was uh, interviewed by the Secretary General of the United Nations and he said I have to start immediately as High Commissioner and so uh, I had to resign as a judge and that is not something that I planned to do. It really broke my heart Mm -hmm. to stop being a judge. But there was such a need for uh, to fill this position. The position of uh, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights is just one person appointed by all the governments of the world to be the voice for the voiceless, to fulfill this mandate of protecting and promoting human rights all over the world. Mm. So you can imagine what an extensive, tough job that was. Mm. As a member of the Women's National Coalition, she contributed to the inclusion of South Africa's constitution of an equality clause prohibiting discrimination on the grounds of race, religion and sexual orientation. In 1992, she co-founded the international women's rights group Equality Now. In South Africa, she began speaking out for women early on in her career and is still an active voice. However, she says the high statistics of women abuse in South Africa is deeply concerning. A person like me who has seen so much suffering and, and very and little change should be despondent about this. You know, Professor Anshu Padiachi and I started the advice desk for abused women in the 1980s. And we're still there. The the statistics show that violence against women has not decreased. In fact, we're described uh, as a country with the highest percentage of rape. I heard the other day of appalling figures of young women between the ages of 15 and 19 who are most vulnerable to picking up uh, HIV AIDS. Mm. She says despite some negative, South African women have progressed to every corner of the world. She says it warms her heart to see women taking over boardrooms, leading nations and dominating many fields. There is not a country in the world, including wonderful places like the Scandinavian countries, where they can claim they have dealt with the problem of violence against women, particularly domestic violence. So it needs all our energies. It's not a women's issue. It's a community issue. Both men and women should be concerned about this. Pele has received the inaugural Gruber Prize for Women's Rights. She has been awarded honorary degrees by Durham University, the City University of New York School of Law, the London School of Economics, Rhodes University and the University of Leuven in Belgium. In 2009, Forbes ranked Judge Pele as the 64th most powerful woman in the world. At the prime of her life, now back in South Africa, Judge Navani 
Them Play remains one of South Africa's most inspirational, influential and successful women. For Newsbreak, I'm Prabhashni Mudli in Durban.